I am losing my mind. Apparently, everything I do hurts his feelings. And I mean everything. I cannot get anything right. No matter how hard I try, no matter how much energy I put into it, no matter how much love and compassion I use in this, I still hurt his feelings. I go out of my way to make him feel happy and everything hurts his feelings. I go out of my way to leave him alone and give him space like he says he wants and everything hurts his feelings. One day he says this, the next day he says that. I don't know what to do anymore. If this is you, you might be dealing with a covert narcissist. And in my situation, I say he because it was my ex-husband. But there are many women who also carry the traits of covert narcissism. So if your situation is a wife or an ex-wife or a mom or a sister or any female in your world. I totally understand that too. I've seen that myself. I've witnessed it myself. So just change your story to where it's, it's she instead of he. The passive aggressiveness that covert narcissists use creates an environment where you are constantly walking on eggshells around their hurt feelings. And you feel totally responsible for their happiness and unhappiness in life. It is not only exhausting, it is impossible. This is a situation where you, the victim, the target, are destined for failure. It does not matter how determined you are. It does not matter how educated, experienced, compassionate, or anything else that you are. It simply does not matter. A covert narcissist is the world's greatest victim. And passive aggressiveness is one of their most effective tools. Everything you do is capable of hurting their feelings, and I mean everything. It is not possible to know what will and what, what will not, so you are on guard all the time. And no matter how good your guard is, it will never be good enough to keep up with their games. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. And I want to thank you for joining us today. Today we're going to dive into passive aggressiveness. And, and right along what goes really well along with that is gaslighting. So we're going to kind of tie in both of those. You know, in the last episode, I talked about how you lose yourself in a relationship with a covert narcissist. They get inside your head. And they truly do. Like, I mean, he lived inside my head. And I, and I just, it took years to get him back out. A covert narcissist, you know, it's just so different from an overt narcissist. That's kind of the opposite, or I don't know if you want to call it opposite, but, it, but it's a different kind of narcissistic personality. The overt narcissist, they don't hide their narcissism. You know, they're pretty publicly narcissistic. And, and they function around big events and big blow-ups and big fights and yelling and cursing and throwing and hitting and, and these big, um, big experiences. And sometimes they really don't care if they're public or not. And, and they're, you know, they're a big personality often. They're, they're publicly, they're a very big personality. Covert narcissists are not like this. They are often not a big personality. In fact, they can appear to be pretty humble and modest publicly. Their abuse is much more subtle. It's in the little remarks. These little stinging things that happen over and over. 
Little enough that you don't really question them and you don't suspect them. Rather, you might even consider their words. You might consider what they're saying and kind of take it to heart and you ponder it and you wonder if there's any truth to it or you kind of, maybe I need to make some changes and you kind of own it and, and take it upon yourself. And these things are little enough that if you do question them, you feel petty. You know, if, if you say something to the, to the narcissist, to the covert narcissist, you know, they can easily say you're making a big deal out of nothing. If you say something to your friends and family, you still might even hear that. And, and you feel petty. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard the narcissist prayer. It's, it's online. You can Google it and look it up. And, but this is how it goes. The narcissist prayer. That didn't happen. And if it did, it wasn't that bad. And if it was, that's not a big deal. And if it is, it's not my fault. And if it was, I didn't mean it. And if I did, you deserved it. I'm going to read that through again. Let that really sink in. Number one, that didn't happen. Gaslighting to the nth degree. That didn't happen. Number two, if it did, it wasn't that bad. The third line is, if it was, that's not a big deal. Again, you're making, you're making, a, you know, big things out of nothing. This is, this is not a big deal. The fourth one is, if it is, it's not my fault. The fifth line is, if it was my fault, I didn't mean it. And the last line, if I did mean it, then you deserved it. This really sums up the path that a narcissist goes through, you know, in their own mind. All the steps of blame shifting and, and guilt manipulation and gaslighting and all these things that they use to continuously, you know, pass the blame off and continuously have an answer for everything that leaves them looking perfect and looking justified in everything they do. So today we're talking about passive aggressiveness, and I, and I want to give you some examples, and with these examples, I also want to give uh, how we react to it. I want to, I want to kind of illustrate how we, as the victim, often will, re will react to their passive aggressiveness. You might get something, you know, like, hey, why did you close the bathroom door? It makes me feel like you're hiding from me, and that really hurts my feelings. This is a very passive aggressive thing to say and, and very covert narcissistic because they're, you know, they're not actually asking you, hey, would you mind leaving the bathroom door open? Which, I mean, I guess they could ask that, you know, it's okay to just flat out ask that. But instead they're saying, you know, well, I feel like you're hiding from me and, and that really hurts my feelings. So they're wanting you to change, but they don't actually ask you to change. And, but you're smart enough to catch on to this. You know that what they're wanting is for you to change. And you want peace in your marriage. You really don't want to hurt him. And so it seems like a small thing. So you change your behavior. To not do so would be mean. And, and you're not a mean person. You know, an overt narcissist, they might yell at you or cuss at you, or they might even directly say, hey, leave the bathroom door open when you're in there. What are you, stupid? You know, you're going to get more point-blank lines from an overt narcissist. They're going to be point-blank with what they want, and they're going to be mean along the way. But a covert narcissist, they use that passive aggressiveness. They won't tell you directly what they want. They won't tell you directly what to do, but they're going to make you feel bad for whatever you did, you know, whatever you did or, or didn't do. And they're going to make you feel bad for it instead, and therefore they're, they're wanting you to change your behavior. But again, they won't tell you this. 
And so you feel bad for apparently hurting their already fragile self-esteem and, and you don't want to do that. To do it again would be a deliberate attack. So you change whatever it is about you that you feel like you need to change. Well, then the gaslighting comes in because later, okay, you're leaving the bathroom door open um, because that's what you thought they wanted. So you leave the bathroom door open. And then later, you know, maybe you've stunk up the bathroom, you know, who knows? And, and they go, why don't you have some decency and close that door? Well, you respond to them. You told me that it feels like I'm hiding from you and that it hurts your feelings when I close the door. So you told me you want me to leave the door open. Well, now he's going to react to that and said, I never said that. Which, you know, it's a partial truth. No, he didn't really say that, but he definitely insinuated that. But he didn't actually say, I want you to leave the bathroom door open. So when you say, well, you told me to leave the bathroom door open, and he says, I didn't say that, there's some truthfulness to what he's saying because they really know how to use that to their advantage. And so, you know, now you're like, okay, but wait, you didn't really actually say that, but this is what you said. And now you start down that circular conversation and they just, you know, he just says, well, that's dumb. I don't feel that way. I, I would never say anything like that. I never told you to leave the bathroom door open. Well, you've just spun in a complete circle. Your head's going, you know, round and round and round, and now you don't have a clue what to do. Do I leave the door open? Do I not leave the door open? Why do I care so much about whether I leave the door open or not? And you're just spinning in circles over a bathroom door. People often use passive aggressiveness to get their way. You know, they use it to make the other person feel bad. They use it to be able to avoid blame and responsibility. They put the responsibility on the other person or get the other person to step up and actually take it. These are ways that passive aggressiveness is used. You know, this hurt my feelings or that hurt my feelings. That becomes a, a way that the covert narcissist uses it. Things that should never hurt someone's feelings can hurt their feelings. You know, just normal life things, spontaneous things. Things you should never be having a two-hour conversation about. But they use this as a way to get what they want. You know, one of the ways I used to see this play out in my marriage is like I'd be on the phone with him and, you know, I, I used to work in a city that was about 45 minutes away. So I had a, a drive on the way back, I had a 45 minute drive. And I would call him and say, hey, I'm on my way home. And we'd chat for a little while, but I usually did most of the talking. He was pretty quiet on the phone. And so finally, I just would kind of get done, you know, not really wanting to talk anymore. And I thought, well, I'll just listen to some music on the way home. And so I'd say, okay, I'll see you in a little bit. That's, you know, typically your response is going to be the other person is going to say, okay, yeah, I'll see you later. Be safe on your way home. You know, whatever. But instead, I would get complete silence on the other end. And I might even say something like, all right, I'm going to let you go. I'll be home in just a few minutes. Again, complete silence. And, and if I hang up in that silence, then he would get mad at me for hanging up on him. Like if I'd say, you know, okay, I'll see you in a little bit and hang up. Then later I'd get, well, why'd you hang up on me? You didn't give me a chance to respond. But if I don't hang up, he doesn't say anything. He sits there in silence awkwardly, leaving me trapped in what I refer to as the silent treatment of a covert narcissist. You know, they use silent treatments very differently than other people and other types of narcissists. Well, he is communicating to me that he is unhappy that I want to get off the phone. But he isn't willing to say that or he isn't willing to actually just kind of encourage the conversation then. Give us something to talk about. And after a minute or so of silence or longer, he will finally say in that huffy way, okay, fine, bye, and hang up. And now I know he's mad. And so now I feel bad. I feel bad. But it's the passive aggressiveness of 
you know, he wasn't getting what he wanted. What he wanted was, I guess, for me to keep giving him a monologue and telling him, I don't know, about my day again, you know, um, but it wasn't a conversation. Another way is, you know, I wanted to hang these pictures on the wall. We had moved into a new house. And even though he had told me many times that he never even notices his surroundings after a few days, like he would tell me that. But he saw that day, we had just moved into this house, this was like two weeks after we'd been living there, and I hung pictures. He was at work and I hung pictures. And he comes home and he sees these pictures and he gets mad. I can't believe you would hang these pictures without asking me. Well, I explained to him, hey, the pictures aren't permanent. If you don't like where they are, we can move them. It's not a big deal. His reaction was huge. And he goes, well, I just want some say in this too. And that really hurts my feelings that you would do this without me. Well, now it makes me feel bad. You know, we actually had not been married that long when this happened. And he makes it clear by his tone and attitude that I better never do this again. So we gave it a few days. I just kind of let it go. And a few days later, he came back to me and said, you know, I guess it really isn't that big of a deal. I won't even notice it after a few days. But yet there's no apology for getting upset. No apology for getting verbally aggressive with me. And now it's in my head. You know, next time when we moved and we were going to hang pictures or I was ready to hang pictures, I'm going to tell you what, I sure didn't do it without asking him. And, and rather than being grateful or noticing that I was including him in the process, like I was like asking his opinion, hey, do you like this picture here or there? And instead now he snaps at me and says, you know it doesn't matter to me. It leaves you in a hopeless situation. You can't win. You know, no matter what I do, it's never going to be enough. And you wear your mind out just trying to figure out what the right path is and there is no right path. Like there just isn't one. You know, you're justifying things that should never need to be justified. You're talking and having two-hour, three-hour-long conversations about things that should never need that kind of conversation. There was a time when I asked him, um, he was parking his car in the garage. This is a story I've used in here before, but I want to go into a little more detail on this one. So for about a week, he had started backing into the garage instead of pulling in forwards. And I'm going to tell you now, he was no good at backing up a vehicle. But that's okay. Some people aren't. I, I didn't hold that against him. What I held against him was his reactions to everything. Well, each time that week, the car got a little closer and a little closer to my van. And by the end of the week, I could barely get my driver's door open. One evening, he was already home before me. And so I had to squeeze the van into the garage. You know, I tightly maneuver that in there. And now I'm trying to get out of the vehicle and I'm squeezing between, between the mirrors of the two vehicles. And right at that time, he came out of the house. And I'm like squished between the two mirrors. And I kind of laughed, you know, humorously, trying to make light of the situation. And I said, hey, next time, can you scoot the car over a little bit? Well, apparently this hurt his feelings so much horribly offended. He stormed into the house, slammed the door, and went straight to the backyard where he stomped around in the backyard for about 30 minutes. He looked like a toddler throwing a temper tantrum. He finally, later, like 30 minutes had gone by, and he walked around the house to the garage, and he came in through the garage door. And he said, in this, you know, big voice, I do see that my car is further over than I realized, and I will scoot it over. But next time, greet me before you make a demand of me. A demand. And I responded, honey, it was a simple, spontaneous question. I don't understand the big reaction. 
his response to me was, I didn't have a big reaction. Oh, really? So slamming the door to the house, stomping around in the backyard for 30 minutes is not a big reaction from a full-grown adult? I expect that from a two-year-old, not an adult. But his response was, I didn't have a big reaction, and he walked away and went upstairs. There was no apology, no recognition of his reaction. He had absolutely no idea of how his reactions affected the people around him. It did not matter how many times I tried to tell him. It just didn't matter. Another big fight we had, last example I'm going to give you today, is we were taking the kids, I was taking the kids to Sonic on the way home from school occasionally. We would do this once or twice a month. We were On the way home from school, I'd pick them up. They were in high school at the time. And they would ask, hey, Mom, can we stop by Sonic? And sometimes they'd get food, sometimes they'd just get a drink, whatever. And I would do that. Well, he got all mad at me one day, and he was telling me that, you know, well, we leave you, we, you leave us, me out all the time. Sorry, I can't say that. You leave me out all the time, and you do all these things with the kids all the time. You do these big events with the kids. I said, big events? What big events? I'm not aware of any, because we were home all the time. We didn't do big events. He said, well, you go to Sonic's without me. I said, okay, that's a big event. That was a little surprising to me. And I said, honey, you don't even like Sonics. He had told me many, many, many times that he didn't like Sonics. And I said, Ann, we always bring it home. You know, we never sit there and eat it. We, we always bring it home. And we usually ask you, we call and ask you if you want one of their drinks. Because he, he did like those. And he said, well, but you don't always ask me. I said, well, I don't know. I don't keep score. I don't know if we do or don't. And he pointed out that, you know, he's noticed because he finds the cups in the fridge or the bag in the trash. And I said, so I'm not allowed to take the boys to Sonic? That's not what I'm saying. You're putting words in my mouth. I said, then what are you saying? We went to Sonic's and you're mad at me for going to Sonic's. Am I allowed to take the boys to Sonic? And I said, and when we do go, which is not that often... We even try to hurry up and grab the stuff and bring it home before you get home from work because we know that you like it when we're home. You don't like it when we're not here when you get home, and so we try to be here. Well, his response to that is, so now you're telling me that it's on purpose that you go while I'm at work. You intentionally do that even though I'm the one at work raising, you know, saving money and trying to pay for this family. See, you purposefully leave me out of the events. I'm telling you, you cannot win with a covert narcissist. And by win, I don't mean you win and they lose. I mean a win-win. I was looking for something where we could agree, something we could get along, something, you know, that would help us to find peace. I was looking for that win-win. And you just can't do it. You cannot do it. You're constantly trying not to hurt their feelings. You judge everything you do against what they will say, think, or feel. And I mean everything. You are constantly trying to build them up, constantly trying to make them feel better, and yet they will turn around and say that you don't even care about their feelings. What are you talking about? How can you tell me I don't care about your feelings when I spend hours of every day of my life trying to take care of your feelings? And you're going to tell me I don't even care about your feelings. And at this point, you just want to explode. You feel like a complete lunatic inside. This is that grenade inside a tank that I talked about in an earlier episode. If you haven't heard that one, please go back and listen to it. When you are with a covert narcissist, you cannot do anything right. Everything you do is wrong. Everything you do is not good enough. Everything you do will hurt his or her feelings. 
You will wear your mind out trying to puzzle through this. If I say it this way, if I say it that way, what if I try this? What if I try that? That's that, you know, I lost myself in a relationship with a covert narcissist. That's the last episode we talked about. So go back and listen to that one if you missed it. But with a covert narcissist, there is no right answer. Their feelings are hurt so deeply inside of them that no amount of compassion right now is going to reach through that hurt. It does not matter what you do or how you do it. Everything is going to hurt their feelings. You see, because you are not the one hurting their feelings. Listen to that again. You are not the one that's hurting their feelings. Their feelings were hurt so horribly many, many years ago. And they carry that hurt inside of them and they are looking at the world through that hurt. And so that's all they see. Everything hurts. Because they're looking through this filter of pain, this filter of hurt. You are not the one who caused that hurt. And you cannot be the one to fix this. Their hurt actually has nothing to do with you. You're just on the receiving end of that pain and the anger from that pain. You cannot fix this. And I hope you are listening to me today. You cannot fix this. I hope that this helps to make a little more sense out of their passive aggressiveness and out of the gaslighting. I hope that you can see it. See it for what it is. No, call it. Call it for what it is. Quit carrying it on yourself. Quit accepting it and carrying the responsibility for hurting their feelings. Because that hurt is not caused by you. It is not your fault. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.